You know, my message today is entitled, Seek. And if you look it up in the dictionary, seek means looking for something, searching for, trying to find a quest. And I remember when I was a kid, we played a game, hide-and-go-seek. We lived in Mishawaka in a big two-story house, and it had a big basement with a lot of rooms in it, kind of dingy rooms. And I remember a group of us kids would get together, and all of us would hide down in the basement. And one person would be upstairs, and then they'd turn the lights off. And then the object was to go downstairs and tag everybody before they could run up the steps. And we used to have fun doing that. And, and uh, sometimes there'd be a few injuries, because in the dark, you're running around, stumbling over stuff, running the walls, and trying to run up them steps before the person tagged you. And it wasn't always a pretty sight. So that's what we used to do when I was a kid. And in life, we are all seeking something. Maybe it's a good paying job. Maybe it's an education, a house, a car. And it seems like everybody's hunting for the latest and greatest cell phones and apps. And hunters are always seeking the biggest buck, the biggest bear, moose, or elk. And the fishermen are always seeking the biggest bass, the biggest pike, the biggest muskie. And people are seeking love and friends and somebody to marry. Some people are seeking popularity, power, fame. Some people are seeking just purpose in life. What are they here for? But you know, we're all seeking happiness. And we're seeking someone who cares about us and loves us. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, he says this, and in the Word of God, when Jesus says something, we need to listen because it's wisdom. It says, Jesus says, Take no thought what you shall eat, what you should drink, or what you should wear. For your heavenly Father knoweth what you have need for. But he says this, this is what's important. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ, seek ye first Jesus Christ and his righteousness. What's it mean, his righteousness? To be Christ-like. And all these other things shall be added unto you. But the most important thing is seeking Jesus and his righteousness. There's a lot of people say they're Christians and they say they, they found God. But the second part, in his righteousness, that's where the rubber meets the road. Talks cheap. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, this is what Jesus says also. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust do corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moths or rust do corrupt and where thieves cannot break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What God's saying here is what's important in your life is where your treasure is going to be. 
If all your treasure, all what's important to you in life is the things down here, you have nothing built in heaven. For where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. So what Jesus says, the Lord says these things because he knows more about us than we do. He knows what true happiness comes from. It isn't just the worldly things. He cares about us. And I want to show you some examples of this. In the world today, you turn on the television. It's all about Hollywood, it seems like. Fame. Be popular. Have money. That's the top thing to achieve in this life is what Hollywood tries to tell you. Be a celebrity. But, you know, you'd look up in the uh, Internet. Search out the curse of 27. It's the people that died at the age of 27 that were popular and had everything. Here's some of them. Jimi Hendrix, drug overdose. Janis Joplin, heroin overdose. Jimmy Morrison, heroin overdose. Amy Winehouse, alcohol and drugs. Brian Jones, alcohol and drugs. Jonathan Braddis, he hung himself. That's what Hollywood tells you to true happiness. And here's some more celebrities. You know, if you'd walk, if these people would walk down the, the sidewalks, you'd want their autograph. These people are famous, popular, had money. But here's what happened to them. Chris Farley died at the age of 33, cocaine overdose. John Belushi, 33, cocaine overdose. Freddie Prince, 22, Drug addiction. He shot himself. Anna Nicole Smith died at age 39. Drug overdose. Elvis Presley, 42. Heart failure due to drug overdose. Whitney Houston, 48. Cocaine and other drugs. Robin Williams, 63. Suicide. Judy Garland, 47. Overdose. Keith Ledger, 28. Overdose. River Phoenix, 23, overdose. These people had it all. Everything but happiness. They were lonely. They were depressed. They were empty inside. They had pain they couldn't relieve. And they're seeking it in drugs and alcohol. Seeking happiness in all the wrong places. There's a doctor named Dr. Needley. And uh, he says... Suicide is the eighth leading cause of death in the U.S. Suicide is the third leading cause in the U.S. of people ages 10 through 24. Antidepressant drugs are big business in the U.S. We have more fun things to do than we ever had to do before in this world, but have more depression than we ever had in this world. The top three words looked up on Google late at night is porn, loneliness, and suicide. People searching for happiness. The Bible says we can have that peace that passes all understanding through Christ. There's a saying that goes like this. Money can buy you everything but happiness and pay your fare to everywhere but heaven. 
There's a story in the Bible that Jesus teaches about a young man that was going the Hollywood way. He wanted to go where the money was, where the fame was, where the fun was. It's the story of the prodigal son. He was seeking worldly pleasures. And Jesus tells us stories, like I say, to give us wisdom, to teach us. We learn from these stories. In Luke chapter 15, it starts with verse 11. And Jesus said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a portion of my goods that fall unto me. Give me. Young man says, give me what you have. And in the Jewish culture, it was a dishonor to the father when his son asked for his inheritance early. It's like, you know, slamming you in the face. I want, I want it now. What if your kids say, hey, I want what you have now. Who cares till you pass away? I want your stuff now. Well, that's what the prodigal son said. And the father divided unto them. And not many days after, the young son gathered all together what he had and took a journey far away to far country. To paraphrase that, he took the money and ran to a far country. And he wasted his money on riotous living. He was the playboy. He spent all his money on the neat stuff. It's like going to Las Vegas, spending all your money. What you do in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. That's why that boy ran a far country so his dad wouldn't hear what he had. no accountability going somewhere else. There's nobody to watch him. So that's why he went off somewhere else. And it says, and when he had spent it all, there arose a mighty famine in the land. And he had nothing, nothing at all. And he went and joined himself as a citizen in the country. He went out on a farm, and it says, they sent him out to the fields to feed the swine, to feed the pigs. And if you're a Jewish boy, that's the worst thing you do. Pigs are unclean. That's as low as low could be. And here he's out with the pigs. And he longed to have something to fill his belly, it says. He was starving. And he had the husk that he fed the swines to eat. And it goes on, it says, And no man gave him anything. By then he had no friends. You know, I've heard a guy say, Hey, I got a lot of friends. I buy a kegger of beer. You won't believe all the friends show up. Till the kegger's empty and the money's gone. And this is what happened to him. He's not popular anymore. His money's gone. He's a nobody. Nobody cares. And it says he came to himself. And he, he was thinking, how many of my hired servants and my fathers have bread enough to spare? And I'm here dying. And I will arise and go to my father, he says. Now we'll say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Well, he realized he sinned against heaven. He broke the Ten Commandments. He sinned against God. 
He sinned against his, his father also. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. And maybe he'd make me one of his hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Compassion. That's like our heavenly father. He had compassion. And you, you take a, an adult Jewish man, a man of means, a man of, of money, running. That's humbling yourself. He's running to his son. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. That son repented, repented of his sins. But the father said to his servants, Bring the best rope and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again and he was lost and now he's found. And they began to be merry. They partied. One lost sinner repenting, there's a party in heaven. What a powerful story. You know, there's another story that's similar, but completely different. It's about a man that had money. A man that had means, a man that had fame, a man that people knew, an older man. It's a story about Zacchaeus. And in this story, he's seeking God. He isn't running away from God. He's seeking God. And it says, Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was chief among the tax collectors, and he was rich. It says right here, he was chief among the tax collectors, and he was rich. He had everything. And he sought to see Jesus. And he could not because the crowd was so great and he was short. And it says that he ran before the crowd and climbed up in a sycamore tree. Again, I say, here's a man of means, an older man. And he's running. He's humbling himself. You don't do that when you have means. You don't, you see rich people running towards something and climbing a tree. He humbled himself. He's up in a tree. He didn't care what people thought. Some people walk around in their fancy suits or the religious leaders had their fancy robes. Look like they're very religious. Zacchaeus could care less. He climbed a tree. And Jesus came to that place and looked up and he saw and said, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down. For today I must abide at your house. And here's another thing I gleam out of this. Jesus looked up and he knew Zacchaeus by name. Jesus knows every one of us. And sometimes we don't think we're important. 
But Jesus Christ died for every one of us. He knows us personally. He knew Zacchaeus earlier. It says Jesus was just passing through Jericho. It wasn't like his hometown. And he says, I'm going to spend my evening with you, Zacchaeus. So Jack, Zacchaeus hurried and ran down. And he was joyful. He was happy. And it says when the crowd saw all this, they murmured and said, why is he going to be a guest at this sinner's house? You know, I remember scripture Jesus saying, you know, ones that are sick need the doctor. We all are sick spiritually till we come to Christ. We need Jesus. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, I, half my goods I have given to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anybody falsely, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, This day salvation has come to this house, for as much as you also are a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I love this verse. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. It says Jesus is seeking us. Even though we're not always seeking Him, He's seeking us. That's awesome. He cares about us. He died for us. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says this. He says, Come. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, give you rest for your soul. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, this is a powerful verse that talks about the love of Christ. It shows the love of Christ. And this is Jesus speaking. He was looking over the city of Jerusalem, and here's what he says. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killeth the prophets and stone them which are sent unto you. The Lord sent prophets to the Jews. Tell them how to live. Tell them that Jesus was coming. He was the Messiah and nobody wanted to listen. They'd even stoned and kill the prophets. And here's what Jesus says. How often... Would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you would not? He was seeking them, but they would not come. You ever see a chicken when there's, when she has chicks and there's danger, a hawk swooping down, one of them little chicks run underneath mama's wings and they're protected. And that's what he was saying there. Come, come under my wing of protection. I'll, I care for you. But a lot of us run out into the danger and care less about the Lord being there to take care of us. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Bible says, God is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish. The word any should perish but that all should come to repentance. How many? All. In Psalm 10, verse 4, the wicked through their pride of life will not seek after God. 
through their pride of life, they will not seek after God. If you spell the word pride, what's right in the middle word? What's the middle letter? It's an I, isn't it? Pride. I. When we think of ourselves, that's sin. And a lot of people will not seek God because of their pride. Even today, we will give an altar call if somebody wants to come forward and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. One of the things that will keep you in that pew is pride. What will people think? Pride. Jesus died on the cross openly for all. He humbled himself. That's the opposite of pride. He led by example. There's another one that's seeking us. The Bible says there's somebody seeking us. It says the devil is seeking you. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, The devil goes around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. You know, if I had a dog up here and I had me a pork chop, I bet I could get that dog to follow me wherever I wanted him to go. And the devil, he knows all our weak spots, and he can dangle that weak spot right in front of us and lead us no matter where he wants us to go if we don't have Jesus Christ and filled by the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The only way you can have power over the devil is having Jesus Christ. I ask you this day, what are you seeking? What are you seeking in life? Are you living for the dot or the line? The dot means the here and now. This 70, 80, 90, 100 years, I don't know how long you're going to live, but here's the dot. You're living 50 years, and 60 years, 70 years, 80 years. You keep accumulating stuff, the worldly stuff, in the dot, and you try to keep it all. And you squish it all. Here's the worldly things. And you know what happens when you die? It's gone. Everything's gone. Or are you living for the line? When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, that line starts. And that line, how long is the line? It just keeps going. It's never ending. Are you living for the dot or the line? Are you building treasures in heaven or on earth? We just quoted that verse. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust do corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moths or rust do corrupt and where thieves cannot break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I ask you another question. What's in your spiritual account? You know, we all have bank accounts. We know how much we have in our worldly bank accounts. But how much is in your spiritual bank account? Are you bankrupt? Or is it overflowing, over and abundantly flowing? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, Chapter 4, verse 18, it says, 
What you see is temporary, temporal. What we see in this building, what we see in this room is all temporary. Even our bodies, it's temporary. The clock is ticking on our bodies. It's going to deteriorate. This body is a holding place for your soul. That's what's eternal. The Bible says what you see is temporal, but what is not seen is eternal. The Lord's talking about your soul. It's eternal. And your soul's going to spend eternity in heaven or hell. There's no middle of the road. Where are you spending it? In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, here's some of the price of being a Christian. It isn't always easy. But being a non-Christian isn't always easy either. The Bible says fun or sin is fun for a season, but you do reap what you sow. And in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus says unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What's he got? What's he got in that dot? If he's gaining all the worldly things, then it's gone and loses his own soul. And the Lord says this, For the Son of Man shall come in his glory of his Father, and with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. There is a reward at the end for the Christians. That's a hope we have. I've been going to the jail, Cass County Jail, for 25 years, and about every time I end a message, it's with this story, because this story has a lot of wisdom in it. And what I've seen over 25 years of going to the jail is guys that are going in and out of jail. They're, they're doing good for a while when they're in jail. They're coming to Bible studies, reading the Word, and then they get out in the world, and they're, they're right back in. And they ask me, Gary, what can I do that I never come back to jail? And I always tell them this story because of the wisdom in this story. It's a story about an old missionary. Back in the old cowboy and Indian days, he'd carry his big old Bible, this missionary, on horseback. And he'd go to Indian village to Indian village, telling the Indian people about Jesus Christ. And one day, an old Indian chief asked Jesus Christ into his heart to be his Lord and his Savior. And the missionary, he was happy. And he left a few days later, and he's going to other villages, preaching the word. Three months later, he comes back to the village where the Indian chief is at. And he sees him by the fire one evening, and he goes sits beside him. And he asks the Indian chief, how is it being a Christian now? And the old Indian chief says, you know, it's great. I have that peace that I never had before. Like the Bible says, the peace that passes all understanding. And the load of sin I always carried. 
It's gone. And I know if I die today, I'm going to heaven. But he says, you know, there's two cats inside of me. And they fight from the time I get up in the morning till the time I go to bed. These two cats are fighting. And the missionary says, what do you mean there's two cats inside of you fighting? And the Indian chief says, well, one cat represents the flesh. The things I always used to do. The things that always got me in trouble because I lived by the flesh. And the other cat represents Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit living within me. And they fight from the time I get up in the morning till the time I go to bed. The flesh says, let's do this stuff. Yeah, let's party. And the Holy Spirit says, no, don't do those things. Do these things. Do the right things, the holy things. So they're fighting. And the missionary says, well, which cat usually wins? And here's the wisdom. The Indian chief says, the one I feed the most wins. If you're feeding nothing but the flesh, it's going to win. It's going to control your life. But if you're praying to the Lord, and you're memorizing the Word of God, getting into the Word of God, you become closer and closer and stronger as a Christian. And when the, when the old flesh raises its ugly head, you can pound it back down. The one that feed the most wins. And you know, if you're a person here today and never asked Jesus Christ in your heart to be your Lord and your Savior, you know how many cats you have in your life? You got one. It's the flesh. And you got the devil seeking you like a roaring lion, seeing who he can devour. The Bible says, put on the full armor of God so you can withstand the fiery darts of Satan. It's a spiritual battle out there. It's even a spiritual battle in here. Satan doesn't want us even being here today. But praise the Lord, you are here today. 1 John 5.13 says this. It says, These things have I written unto you, but that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. It says in the Word of God that you may know that you have eternal life. If you're here today and you're not for sure, hate to tell you, chances are you're on your way to hell. And it's not what I'm saying. It says these things... Have I written unto you that believe in the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life? I know I have eternal life because I asked Jesus Christ in my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. And I know at the age of 25, He changed me. That's when I asked Him into my heart. I hated go to church. My mom would take me to church. I always get a sore throat Sunday morning. <laughs> I can't go to church. And I remember I hated going to my Sunday school class so bad. It was a big enough church. 
If the Sunday school teacher didn't see me, I'd go hide in the bathroom, lock the door, and stay there till after Sunday school class. That teacher would make us get in a semicircle and make each of us read out loud. And some teachers may think that's a good thing to do. But when you were like me, I had to go to special speech classes, special reading classes, special spelling classes. I'd stutter. When I'd get in front of people, I'd stutter. And the last thing I wanted to do was be humiliated by another group of kids. You know how hard this Bible is to read when you're six or seven years old? But uh, the Lord changed my heart, my life. Look what he did to a kid that hid in the bathroom. Look what I'm doing right now. He changed me. And I know he's real because he lives here. Revelations 3.20, Jesus says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open that door, I will come into him. Is he knocking on the door of your heart today? He's seeking you today, maybe. You need to make that choice, accept him as your Lord and your Savior today to make sure you're on the winning side. Like I say, we're going to give an altar call in just a few minutes. And what's going to keep you in that chair is pride, maybe. I want to quote you this verse Jesus said in Matthew 10, 10:33. If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father which is in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father which is in heaven. There's no such thing being a secret Christian. Jesus died openly on the cross for all of us. We need to live openly before the world for him. I want to read that verse again, Luke 19.10. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus fills a void we try to fill with earthly things. These celebrities that ended up dying on drugs, alcohol, suicide. They were trying to fill that void that everybody has. That can only be filled by Jesus Christ. He made us. There's that perfect piece of the puzzle. Fits perfect. It's only Christ. God's will and goal in our lives is not always to make us happy, healthy, or wealthy. God's will and goal in our lives is to make us more like Him. That's His goal for us. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, I will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Thee because He cares for you. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How much? All unrighteousness. You know, sometimes we ask God to change our circumstances we're in. We're not happy with the circumstances we are in. And we pray to God to change our circumstances 
But sometimes, maybe our circumstances are there to change us, to bring us closer to him. Seek ye first the king of God, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Here's some hope in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. Eyes have not seen, nor ears have heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. He's preparing a place for us. The creator of us, the creator of the universe, is preparing a, pl a place for us and we cannot even comprehend it. That's our hope. We're going to give an altar call now. And uh, if the Lord's been tugging on your heart today, it's time to come forward as the song plays. We're going to play a song called People Need the Lord. It's a powerful song. And if the Lord's tugging, come forward. And I got these little booklets called Knowing God Personally. We say a sinner's prayer together up here. And you can ask Jesus Christ in your heart to be your Lord and your Savior. It's the most important decision to be made in your whole life because the only one that lasts for all eternity. Where do you stand with Jesus Christ? Do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? If not, today's the day to make sure. It's time to get right with Jesus Christ. You may have been coming to this church all your life. You may have been sitting in a pew every Sunday, fooling everybody that you're a true Christian, but you really aren't. Talk's cheap. It's easy to say the right things, you know, at the right time to the right people, and, and uh, they all think you're solid Christian. But you know deep in your heart, you never truly yielded to Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. Today's the day of salvation is what the Bible says because we're not guaranteed our next breath. Jody, start the song. If the Lord's tugging, come forward.